Hi, welcome to Touch by Prayer. Today is going to be so exciting. We are going to discuss the intimacy that we can have with Jesus. How cool is that? He wants us to have a relationship and he wants us to know him and because he already knows you. So how much nicer is it to have a, a uh, relationship where you both know each other? And today, we are so fortunate because Adam Levecki is here from We See Jesus Ministries. Welcome, Adam. Thank you, Lisa. I'm excited to be with you today. Yes, it's going to be a lot of fun. What I love about your ministry is you basically see Jesus in everything that you do. And I love that, that you can see from helping the um, people who are sick, helping prostitutes, helping homeless, laying hands on people, ministering to people. You are showing Jesus in, in everything that you do. Thanks, Lisa. You know, Jesus made it simple. He said, I, I came for the sick. Mm. Um, I came for sinners. I came to call sinners to repentance. And so it's, uh, it's pretty simple. So how did you start this ministry? How did this kind of come about? Wonderful question. So I grew up in a Christian home. I went to a Christian school. Uh, I saw miracles as a kid. It was normal. Parents wow. came from um, Jason Alvarez's church. Now, where, what is Orange, Jay- New Jersey. Okay. And, uh, and it's- couple, maybe a couple thousand member church. Okay. And I remember being a kid seeing uh, Pastor Jay just playing the keyboard, great worship leader, and uh, watching a guy just get up out of a wheelchair, no one touching him. Wow. Just in the presence of God. Wow. And so I grew up seeing that, and um, but uh, I had a fatal attraction to the world, and so I got into doing drugs, selling drugs, and... Um, you know things that are involved with that kind of a lifestyle and uh, I was really really out there and uh, some people had poisoned my my weed or marijuana and my lungs collapsed in my sleep and uh, God woke me up and saved my life and uh, several different things happened but God was really gracious and really patient and really merciful with me and so what happened was my mom really got fed up of this lifestyle and um my dad had some unresolved issues in his life, and um, he got mad at God. And so he went back to the world and uh, was doing really some, some crazy things. And my mom said, I'm done. And uh, really, I, I never heard the word divorce in my life. You know, I come from a half Italian, half Greek home, uh, very family-oriented, Christian, um, you know, really really family oriented we eat dinner every night together like every night um so it's kind of like when i heard that word divorce at 19 it went into me like a knife and uh i had a girlfriend at the time i asked her just kind of like leave my house i just need some space and i got on my knees and i said god don't make my family another statistic i said i'll live for you uh go to the ends of the earth for you and if i have to i'll die for you but there was just something in me that rose up that just knew, because of the way I was raised, that family is not something that's supposed to be over until people start dying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm like, um, so God really heard that cry. Um, that was a really deep cry in my life, and um, I, I was desperate. You know, I, I came into the kingdom desperate, and uh, God, I really got saved by God saying to me, Adam. You really, really need me. Fear of the Lord hit me. Boom, I dropped to my knees. And, uh, and I, I was saved that way. And so, um, so I, I 
was very hesitant to come back to the Lord because I knew what God would require of me. And uh, I remember being a kid just smoking and doing drugs saying, one day I'm going to stop doing all this. And, um, God, and that day yeah, was like, here yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. and, and so God uh, really got a hold of me. And um, the first thing I learned uh, as a believer is I learned um, what many people would call seeking God. I learned to seek God. Um, now I'm not seeking God because he's not hiding. Right. So how I, did you, because I'm, there's a lot of people who don't know how to seek God. Yeah. Um, well, I would actually, to be straight up, I would literally lay on my face for a couple hours and I would put worship music on and just soak, uh, just cry my guts out and just worship and just tell God, God, I never want to go back. I never want to go back. Mm. I never want to go back. And um, there was a song that Joanne McFadder played. I, I love this song. And I, I listened to this song on repeat for hours and hours and hours. And, it's, and it's, she's singing. She's like, I just, I just want to be where you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, anything that reminds me of you, I want to be there. I want to go there. And uh, so I, that, that was my thing. I was, I was desperate. Um, I have friends who are dead. Um, and if I wouldn't have came into the kingdom at that time in my life, I was on my way somewhere, uh, that really wouldn't have been good. And, um, so I, 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 when I came, I really, really came desperate Mm. and, um, like I would come home from work, go to the gym, come home and literally just read the Bible and pray all night. Wow. Like not all night long, but I mean, until I was going to sleep, like Mm -hmm. I, for, for a duration of three, four months. I mean, I'm talking three hours a night, just on my face, desperate. Um, I really, really, really didn't want to go back um, to my old life because I I just didn't know what would happen. Right. Um, And so God really met me there and uh, he started to develop my heart for the nations in in an actually an affluent area um, in uh, northern Bergen County, gorgeous area, a church called Wyckoff. Pastor's oh, very name, familiar. yeah. Pastor's name is Don James. Great man, love him. Uh, he's always been very good to me, very kind. And he's a he's a pastor, but he really carries a heart for missions and for nations. And the church is very generous toward uh, missions and stuff like that. And so, I went on a trip in April of 2005, and I walked into a village in Honduras. And I, a New Jersey boy, you know, from Bergen County, you got to look for a homeless person or you're not going to find any. Right. Um, You know, I I walked into a village. I saw a hut, a house that I could literally push over with my hand. I saw two children, a boy and a girl, probably between seven and nine, six and ten, standing on the side of the road in sewage, naked. And um, I fell apart. I literally began to weep and weep and weep and... I left the village with no shoes on. I didn't know what to do. I had no no context for that. I had no grid for that. I really right. didn't know like like how like right. And and the words that came out of my mouth were I never knew. Hmm. And um, so that was the seed. And God had really prepared me because there was this song that Hillsong did, um, and it just talks about going to the nations. I will go to the ends of the earth for you. And uh, so I would literally just, every time that, that song just, it started to like, it was like my heartbeat was that song. And I started to develop a heart for the nations. And then uh, Bethany Church gave me that opportunity to go with their their team, fell apart. And uh, later that year, I went to China with another member of the church 
and God really spoke to me really clearly in China. And he said, before you're 30, you'll go to 30 nations. Wow. And I'm like, whoa, okay. So I started to do the math, and I'm like, that's a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, that's a lot of time. Right. <laughs> so that was God telling me that I, I, I was going to have to give up my full-time job. And, uh, you know, I had a nice car. I drove a nice Infinity and had a nice job plumbing. I had an apprenticeship. I was going to school. I had benefits, paid vacation. You know, I wasn't rich, but I, I was pretty good for like a 20-year-old. I was doing well. And um, and uh, so it was kind of like a little bit of a shock to people when they when, when you tell them you're going to leave all that. Because um, definitely I was on my way somewhere. I was working with one of the best plumbers in Bergen County really honest man and I learned a lot of things there and so it, it was because um, I when I went to Honduras I just thought okay I'm just going to make a lot of money and I'm going to help the poor I'm going to do everything kind of like without the help of other people mm -hmm. it's kind of like um, that was where I was coming from you know I don't want to be dependent on people I you know blah, 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 all that and um, yeah so God broke my heart and changed my mind <laughs> wow and uh we we always say you know without Jesus I can do nothing yeah, yeah that's true but without the body of Christ you can do nothing yeah and that's a, that's the a whole thing is that you know when we become so dependent on ourselves and what we're doing is we're actually taking away an intricate part of what God plans because he has people who are going to help us in in supplying the needs that he has for us he will give yep. the money to people to give it to us and if we're so um I, I want to say stubborn because that's me. <laughs> but if we don't want to receive from other people, then we're actually robbing them of what they've been called to do. Because some people are just, you know, the bank. Yeah, you know, it's also good for those people to be contributors to something that they're not directly a part of. Mm -hmm. They're not actually just doing it for us or for God. It's actually they're doing it for themselves. Absolutely. Um, you know, and there's there's so many great things about you know, being American and living in America, and I, I love our country. But one of the things that is not a kingdom reality, but it's an American reality, is independence. Mm. And um, independence is great. I'm glad we have freedom. Um, God gives us freedom. Uh, but God calls people to learn how to be dependent on other people. And I don't mean mooches. Right. And I don't mean codependent. I, I mean learning him... To learning to trust God enough that we understand that God moves through people and he can orchestrate circumstances in our favor to do what he's called us to do. There's an amazing picture of this in the New Testament where Paul the Apostle is going to kill people in a city. Uh, Acts 9, Jesus appears to him shining like the sun. His retina is shut down for three days. The city that Paul was going in to kill people with, he left that city in a basket and he was dropped down a wall. And so the people that he literally came to kill, his very life was in their hands. Wow. And so there's a lesson for us in that where we've got to learn to trust God enough to actually be able to trust people. Mm. And oh, that's good. what's fascinating about that is that love is unconditional. Honor is unconditional. Trust is not unconditional. Mm. Uh, that's where discernment comes in. So there has to be discernment in who to trust, how to trust, how much to trust. And so I'm not just saying blindly trust people, but when you really trust God and when you really love God, though that translates into how you interact with yourself and also how you interact with people. 
Well, I think that as you start to develop a relationship with God, he will also test you on different things. Not that he, and, and I don't mean the testing where it's like, oh, you, you pass or you fail, but just to discern what he wants you to do. And there are some times that he says, go buy that person a cup of coffee or go give that person something. So if he uses that from you to go and bless somebody because it's on your heart that God has told you to go and do something, if you don't do it, then you know that you're not really you know, listening and obeying what God has called you to do. And, and I guess it's in the same way is that when it comes back to us, we have to now look at it as, wait a second, God told them to come and bless me. So you're you're going to be a little bit more um, open, I think, to receive. Yes. I learned a lesson like that. Um, one time, God had told me to do something, and uh, I'm like, God, what's going on, you know? And he's like, Adam, I told some people to help you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but they didn't, so it's not my fault. Like, I, I've, I've told them. And so I think that there is a sobering reality that... Our choices affect people. Absolutely. For better yep. or for worse. There's a really great picture of that too. Um, David sleeps with Bathsheba. And Nathan comes through the parable, confronts him indirectly. David repents. But Nathan says, because of this sin, the sword will not depart from your house. So thousands of years later, the Messiah is born in, in David's city in Bethlehem. And Herod is killing children because of the sin of David gave him authority and the sword did not depart from David's house. Wow. So the the reality that our choices have long-lasting effects mm. um that's very real. It's very serious. Um it's uncomfortable, mm-hmm. but it but it but it's true. So it's, you know, the, the thing that's really interesting is, you know, I, I just recently had a conversation with somebody and they're like, well, how do you know when it's God? How, how do you understand, like, is it, is it a voice? Do you hear it? Is it like, what, what, what is it? And, and so what I, I said to this person, as I said, you know, as you start to spend time, you start to discern whether it's God, whether it's you, whether it's, you know, just your thought, it's God's thought, you know, because God makes it very clear that when he says something, he always will confirm. And I, and I think that that's pretty safe to assume that when God tells you to do something, he usually gives you a couple confirmations if you're not listening the first, the first time. Well, what's fascinating about God is that uh, God is profoundly patient. Mm. Thank God for that. <laughs> yeah, he's <laughs> Thank been, you, Jesus. He's, he's a lot more patient with us than we are with ourselves and mm-hmm. than when we are with others. Mm. So God is not in a rush because he lives outside of time and space. Mm-hmm. And at any moment, God can turn Kronos time, watch time, into Kairos time, which is a divine moment when heaven touches down. And so at any moment, he can change things. Um, and he has the ability to, to break in and to kind of invade time and space. Um, but so he's not been out of shape about time in the same way that we are because he doesn't, his clock is not ticking, ours is. Oh, yeah. So, so that's one thing. The second thing is God is just. And for God to actually hold you accountable for something, then he has to know and you have to know that without a shadow of a doubt that you are responsible for that mm. that he's asking you to do. 
In other words, because he's just, he won't hold us accountable for something that he is not convinced and sure that he knows that we know to do. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that's, and that's basically that, that whole confirmation. It's like, um, I always, you know, tell my kids, you know, if I have to tell you something six times, you better believe that I really want you to do it. And it's, it's sort of like, because we're kids, you know, to, to the Lord, he looks at us as his children. And sometimes we just have to hear something six or seven times. And, you know, and as a parent, we sometimes get frustrated when our kids don't listen to us right away, but we're the same. I'm learning that frustration. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when I got married, I realized I was selfish. When I had a child, I thought I figured I'm really selfish. Yeah. And so. Well, we all are. It's and that I think is part of the heart change. Is as as you start to spend more and more time with the Lord, and He starts to pour into you and to show you His love for you and His acceptance and His patience. I think that we then become more. Um, aware of our <laughs> impatience yeah. and our frustration. So we will tend to start giving more grace because he has given us so much. So sure. when we talk about, because um, what we wanted to talk about was about intimacy, how, kind of going back, what is it that you feel is, besides the soaking, is it, is it really, I, I mean, I feel it's an act of surrender. That you just surrender yourself to yeah, yeah. getting to know the Lord. Yeah, it's, 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 you know what? It's so funny because we're talking about something so deep and so spiritual and so eternal. Mm-hmm. But yet all of that happens in the realm of practical. Mm. So it's kind of like everything spiritual gets played out through your soul. Everything natural get plays, get, gets played out through your body. You know, like, my spirit doesn't brush my teeth. Right. My hands do, you know, with a toothbrush. So it's kind of like um, if, if you're looking to really get to know God, I think that if you want to get to know him beyond an emotional level, beyond a felt level, I think his word, first and foremost, I say his word, mm-hmm. um, because... My experiences, as great and as real as they may be, they're subjective. Mm-hmm. They're not authoritative. They're not scripture. Um, and I think it's really important to know that. I think that we've got to measure everything according to the word of God. Mm-hmm. And so God's word shows me what God's like. It shows me what God does. It shows me what God says. And um, getting back to something you said, you know, about confirmation, how do we know if God's speaking? I think that when people have an incorrect image of God, I think that his voice is very vague and um, obscure because they have a, uh, a faulty or a defective image of God. Jesus shows us what the Father is like when... Many people think of God, they think of, uh, you know, a wrinkled grandfather, Mm. huge figure in the sky with a fly swatter, Mm -hmm. who has an angel to his right, and he's marking every bad thing you thought, felt, said, did. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they think of a God who wants to punish them, versus a God who suffered for them, and a God who suffers with them. 
Right. The truth is, to reject the gospel, yes, there'll be eternal, everlasting punishment. There, there's no question about that. But the intentions of God are revealed in him giving his son. Mm-hmm. And if he'll give his son for us, that means we're valuable. Yes. Um, that means there's no price tag on us. That mm. means he has only, you know, the angels came uh, and they sang to the shepherds, peace on earth and goodwill toward men. I mean, that was seen in, in, in the person of Christ. So I think that if people have a dysfunctional and incorrect view of God, they will always struggle with the voice of God. And I think that when you get some very, very simple and basic things down about what God is like, who God is, what God says, God's plan, uh, what he gave, what he paid, um, what he does, who he is, I think that the other things become a lot more simple. Mm. Like there's a lot of questions that I don't ever have to ask myself because I know who I am. Right. Um, It's kind of like, I I don't want to be extreme, but it's kind of like someone who... Um, you know, it's a man who is married to a woman who likes women. He doesn't wake up every morning, look in the mirror and say, I'm not gay. Right. He operates based on, he's like women his whole life. He loves his wife. And that's... That's just the way it is. That's the way it is. So I think that there's certain things about God and there's certain moral absolutes and there's certain things that are so clear that if those are, if that is our framework and we, we, we come from a very sure foundation... I think that then a lot of the other things, there's more consistency and there's more safety. And I think that once we understand that we can really trust God, um, because we understand what God did for us while we were his enemies, then I think it becomes easier to have what we would call intimacy with him. And um, I think intimacy with God, I, I have a few scriptures that, I've, of course, I'd like to refer to because, sure. I mean... This, this is the word of God, it's forever, it doesn't change, and it's always applicable to now. Um, Psalm twenty-five, fourteen. it says, The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him, and he will show them his covenant. So the word secret there is not the word secret. In Hebrew, it's actually the word intimacy. Mm. So um, to make it simple, when you approach God correctly, you position yourself to receive uh, what is hidden to others. Okay. In other words, if I approach God correctly, right, I will receive from Him. If I don't, if I don't approach Him correctly, it will really be hard for me uh, to receive from Him. Um, it's kind of like if you go into someone's house demanding things instead of saying, "Can I have a cup of water?" Right. Um, and so I think that if we understand that God is to be feared, that God is holy, that God is just, that God is, of course, good, but God is God. Yes. Um, and so I think that if we approach God correctly, then we're positioning ourselves. And I think that, um, uh, to be honest with you, uh, Lisa, uh, I, I travel in churches and in many different nations, and, uh, and I've seen that I think that a revelation that needs to come back to the body of Christ is the fear of the Lord. Yes, I agree with that. Um, the fear of the Lord, the spirit of the fear of the Lord in Isaiah 11 is what causes people's hearts to properly respond to God when the reality that we will give an account for our lives and all that stuff, I mean, that that's serious stuff. That is serious stuff. And that's um, why, you know, when when you have, you know, like you have this ministry and you've been, you've been given these you know you had to go to 30 nations before you were 30 you know that was coming from the throne room of the lord and and you know that was like okay this is what you're gonna do 
Now, if you chose to not do yeah. it... It was a commandment, not a suggestion. Right. And that's what I'm saying. If you decided not to do that, then you would have to... You would have to stand before the Lord, and He would have to say, "Adam, like what happened? Yeah. <laughs> I told you to go." Yeah. And 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 that to me, you know, that that to me is like if if God tells me go lay hands on that somebody or go give that person that word, I don't care what that person thinks. Yeah. Because if that's coming from the Lord, I do not want to yeah. sit there and have Him say, "Lisa, why didn't you?" Sure. Yeah. I mean, Lisa, the, the f- we'll have two things in life. We'll have either the fear of man. Right. Or we'll have the fear of the Lord. And the fear of, of the Lord is clean, enduring forever, which the word forever is a big word, but it, it's definitely sustainable. Yeah. Um, it, it's the only way to live forever. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the fear of man is a snare. And for hunters, hunters know what snares are. Snares are uh, metal devices that latch onto an animal and hold the animal until the hunter comes and kills it and then cooks it. So if you want to be someone's food, fear man. Yeah. Um, if you want sustainability, uh, if you want all that stuff that really matters forever, the fear of the Lord is the way. And I think that the more you get to know God and the more you can trust him and love him, the more you begin to see why he says what he says. Well, and that's that's in part of reading the Bible because he, for everything that he does, you know, as you said, you know, he's not the big God who sits on the throne with a fly swatter saying, you live, you die, you're going to go here, you're going to go there. It, it's really, if God is saying for us to not drink, it's because he doesn't want us to get caught into addiction. Don't do sure. drugs. He doesn't want us to sure. be killed early. Yeah. So there are, there are reasons, just like a parent. Yeah. And, and I think that's the biggest it's, thing. It's really funny that you bring this up. I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up um, because uh, it takes courage to bring up the whole liquor thing in church. It's very touchy. Uh, European Christians definitely throw back a couple beers. Um, Americans are mixed on it. Europeans are they're going for it. Um, but I think Scripture is pretty clear. And for me, my understanding is that I don't think it's bad to have a beer or to have a wine, but here's what I will say. What I will say is that the wisest and the richest man in the world said, Solomon, that wine is a mocker and strong drink is raging. So wine will cause me to um, laugh at things that aren't funny, usually at someone else's expense. Um strong drink or, or like hard liquor makes people angry fast we used yeah. to joke around as kids that jack daniels was devil juice because yeah. you know it makes people want to fight and uh the, it's not unintentional when they call liquor stores wine and spirits um it, it's it's pretty interesting that that's what secular people call it um and most of the times that liquor is mentioned in the bible it's negative mm-hmm. um and just just practically speaking, like, you know, I'm not offended if another believer has freedom and self-control and they can, you know, drink a glass of wine. It doesn't offend me, and I don't think it has anything to do with salvation. I just think often, generally speaking, it's not wise because there's many reasons why. It, it impairs your your ability to drive. Mm-hmm. Um, it also would make people a lot more... Um, a lot more susceptible to sexual immorality, um, and it—it—it's just I don't I don't see it having any real positive 
uh, effects on people. I'm not condemning anyone who does. I just think that if you really look at the condition of our churches, yeah, without being critical and judgmental, let's just be practical. 2.9 billion people on the planet have never heard the gospel before. Some of these people live in our home state of New Jersey. Uh, last winter, I came home from a prophetic school in Ohio, and I was teaching from my book, Rediscovering the Prophetic. We drove home. We get to a Dunkin' Donuts because Starbucks was closed, <laughs> so we were suffering for the Lord. <laughs> and um, there's a guy named Patel from a city called Gujarat, India, and now he lives in Stanhope, New Jersey. And I began to share the gospel with him. It's late at night. No one's in there. So I'm just sharing the gospel, nothing crazy. And he says, Jesus who? Hmm. And I said, what? He said, yeah, Jesus who? And he had never heard the name of Jesus Christ, and he had never heard the gospel before. And he wasn't from a cave in Afghanistan. He was right. living in Stanhope, New Jersey. And there were several churches uh, in that area. And you can Google it and tell me how many churches are in that area. So if our witness is pretty, um, if it's silent in many places where we even have freedom, um, and... Uh, I just don't know. Yeah. I just don't know if, if it's really what, what the church needs. I, I think that we need an awakening. I don't think we yeah. need to be drunk. I think we're, we're often already drunk with complacency. Well, you also, if you are, I mean, and this again is not to condemn anybody who, sure. who, who partakes, but if, if you're having a couple of glasses of beer and, or, or wine or whatever, and, you know, all of a sudden you see someone in desperate need who, who's crying, say, at a booth nearby. Are you going to get up and go administer to them with alcohol in your breath? <laughs> you no. know, you, you can't. You're, that's going to hold you back. You know, Lisa, for me, and, and we'll move on to something more, but, you know, I came from the streets. Uh-huh. And I had one of my friends from New York City and lived in a little town, Little Ferry. Um, and he said to me, man, he's like, man, you know, he's like, I know it's real, man. And I'm like, why is that? He goes, because you never turn back. Hmm. And I, I would have people that if they saw me crack open a beer, they would identify that with my whole entire old life. Mm -hmm. Now, I do have the freedom to crack open a beer, but Absolutely. I'll tell you, I haven't did that in 10 years. Mm -hmm. And I'm really not interested. But the the point of what I'm saying is that I just don't think it's necessary. And I think mature believers, I think we want to move past what is acceptable into what is profitable. Mm. You know? Yeah. Um, so that's moving on. Yeah. No, I, I, and I do agree. And I, and I, and again, um, you know, bringing up that there are, there are times and there are situations that the Holy Spirit will convict people as to what they should or should not sure. do. That's that's not the church's job. That's the Holy Spirit's job. So it's um, but it's interesting. Like for me, you know, as as the Lord will say, you know, say this or don't say that or go here or go there or run after that person. You know, you you sometimes say to yourself, "Gosh, was that like that? That can't be me because why would I go running after somebody?" 
somebody yeah. just to or or tell somebody something. You know, the heart of of God is to reach people. And one of the things that I've been noticing more and more is as I go to different restaurants that I I tend to have words for the waiters. And what's so cool is they're so receptive because everybody is hungry to hear from God. Yes. Um, a prophetic, a, a real word from God, um, a word of knowledge, uh, which is speaking to someone's past or their present circumstances with divine knowledge that could not be except God himself uh, so inspired your mind to think those thoughts um, or to hear his voice. That is the, the, the greatest way to open up hearts. Um, you see that in, in, uh, in the New Testament in uh, John chapter 4 Jesus gives some words of knowledge to a woman at a well and uh, basically many 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 people in a city who were Gentiles Samaritans um, believed in Jesus and that they believe not only in Jesus but they believe that he was the savior of the world hmm. Um, it became personal. They knew that he came for them, not mm-hmm. just the Jewish people who he spent most of his time ministering to because that was his assignment in that hour, in, right. that, in that time. So it, when, when the, the prophetic reveals the supremacy of Jesus Christ, that he knows um, your past and, and your present, and he, even the prophetic reveals that he knows your future. So the word of knowledge reveals, you know, just he knows your past, he knows your present. And uh, the prophetic word knows it, declares that he, he knows your future. So Jesus is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. So he dwells outside of time and space. And so he looks at the timeline, our timeline, and he's able to, to touch anywhere on that timeline just very easily. And uh, when we listen to him, we can then participate in what he sees and what he feels. And, and that's why, you know, it's great to have the mind of Christ because then we can begin to think the thoughts that he thinks toward people. Mm. Um, and those thoughts are more number numerous than the sand on the seashore, which means God is always thinking about us. Always. Um, that's amazing. And you I know. think that as you start to as you start to have that intimate relationship with the Lord, and the Lord speaks. And there, um, I, I had this uh, gentleman on a um, couple months back, uh, Jeremy Mangershin, and he wrote a book called The Longest Bridge Across the Water. And he said that he had this um, uh, time with God where the Lord said, I am speaking, I am speaking, I am speaking. And then and the screen appeared and all the stuff started to cover the sounds of the bird and the traffic and everything until it was completely covered. The whole screen was covered with all this other outside noise. Then he started taking it away and he kept saying, I'm speaking, I'm speaking, I'm speaking, I'm speaking. He's always speaking. But we're so busy in our thoughts, in our agenda, that we don't sit and just say, no, Lord, what do you have to say? Yeah. Good. Let's, let's jump on that. Let, let's go into something that would hinder intimacy with God. What hinders intimacy with God is soul clutter. Soul clutter is uh, cares that we don't cast upon him. Imaginations that we don't tear down that exalt themselves against who he really is. Um, unconfessed sin. Unforgiveness toward others. Self-bitterness toward ourself. Um, all those things worry about the future. All those things begin to um, distract us and clutter our soul so that when, when God is talking, we're hearing nine other things because we have nine other things we haven't dealt with. 
which leads us into how do we really have intimacy with God. Um, if you look in Romans uh, 15, 12, and 13, it says this, and again Isaiah says, There shall a root of Jesse, and he shall rise to reign over the Gentiles. In him the Gentiles will trust. Um, now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. What's fascinating about this is that if you look at the King James, it says, In him the Gentiles shall trust. The New King James says, In him the Gentiles shall hope. But the Greek language says, In him the Gentiles, or the nations, which is us, mm -hmm. um, will confide in and expect from. Mm, I like that. Yeah, that's, that's, the, that's what it means. And intimacy can be defined. If we, if we can define intimacy, intimacy is beyond a feeling. Mm -hmm. It's got to be beyond a feeling. Um, and so intimacy is when I confide in the Lord and then I expect from the Lord. And often we confide in people, but we're not sure, like, can we expect them to help? Or are we talking to deaf ears? Or right. are we talking to people who don't really have the power to really help us? But what's great about God is that when we confide in Him, we can then expect from him. Mm -hmm. It's legal. Mm -hmm. It's okay. Uh, and it's not unhealthy. It's actually the healthiest thing we can do. And let me give you a, a biblical picture of um, someone confiding in the Lord. We can't ignore real life in the name of faith. Uh, that's unwise. Um, Hannah is a, is a woman in the Old Testament in um, 1 Samuel. She was barren. In those days, being barren was like a curse. Mm -hmm. uh, and th at that time, women existed to... Have children. Have children. Yeah. And that's definitely a part of why they exist still. Um, but so, but it was really intense then. Mm -hmm. it, it was like almost like a woman with no kids is worthless then. Um, and so that was kind of the culture of their day. And so it's written in, in the context of she was terribly uh, distraught continuously that she didn't have a child. And uh, so she pours, it's scripture says she poured out her soul onto the Lord. And the only thing that we can do with disappointment that's healthy is bring it to the Lord. Mm. What I've come to see, Lisa, is that when people don't bring their disappointment to the Lord, they wind up becoming angry at God. Mm. So it's almost like if I don't give my disappointment to God, I will become disappointed in God. Okay. Okay. So intimacy. The great thing about um, the, the great thing about God is God is aware that we have problems, and He wants to help solve those problems. And that happens when we're honest with Him. You, you know, we can we can expect from God what we give to God. Like if you tell God deeply what's on your heart, deeply what's bothering you, deeply like the things of your heart that we mo most of the time we push down. Mm. Um, if you can entrust that with God and you can come and give God your, you know, your, your ashes mm. and your brokenness and your pain or your disappointment or your expectations that weren't met or all, all this real stuff that we deal with, all of us, ministers, business people, normal people, every people, we all have problems. And it's almost like to God, a problem becomes beautiful because we begin to entrust him with our heart and with our life. 
And um, that's what he did with us when he, he gave Jesus to us. God has entrusted us with his very son, with, with his, his very life, um, what is most precious to him. And um, so when we do that with him, we're, when I pour out my soul to God, God then pours out his spirit with me. And so intimacy with, with Jesus, what it does, according to Romans uh, 15, is that intimacy with Jesus activates the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. Because if you look at this, it, it goes on and says, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound with hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. The word power there in Greek is actually dunamis, which is the power that Jesus gave his disciples to heal right. the sick. So Jesus is saying that, uh, the scriptures here are saying that, that 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 a king um, will will arise and is we know that that is Jesus and the nations will confide in and they will expect from him and that the Holy Spirit will literally use his supernatural power to cause a human heart that lives in a sin-filled world with a lot of pain and a lot of brokenness to overflow with hope. Mm. which is a joyful anticipation of good. Um, so the same power that heals the sick is the power of God that causes a heart to begin to overflow with expectation. And um, it's actually supernatural in nature. I mean, we know that because look at how many people are, are depressed or on antidepressants. And, oh, yeah. I mean, rich people are jumping out of buildings and... I mean, so, you know, the conditions of, of, of people's hearts is reflected in our society. Yeah. Um, which isn't doing well at this time, but uh, hopefully, you know, people will arise and, and the church will rise up and be salt and light. Um, I think that's what's going on. That's that's the good news, um, that people are, are, are starting to actually come alive to who God is and who God is made them to be and, and that's why I, I do really enjoy you know like places like the resting place or, mm. or even my church Kingsgate Church where you can go and spend a couple hours kind of getting drenched in the presence of God kind of refocusing recalibrating your perspective you know pouring out your heart pouring out your soul being among other hungry people I think that there's there's immense value in that and what's even cooler is that um not even cooler, but what's really cool is I'm starting to see a progression of people that we're starting to actually live the answer to our own prayers, mm. which is a sign of maturity and growth. Um, and that's exciting because the disciples, Jesus said, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. Matthew 9, Matthew 10, he's sending them out. And I think that's what's happening now. That is what's happening. In fact, uh, June 26th, uh, the resting place is going to have a conference. It's going to be a great time for those of you listening. Come, uh, you can register at www.rrestingplacerpac214.com, and uh, you can re you register to the conference. And then that Saturday, we're going to be taking people to the streets to pray for the sick, to give out water, to give out ice cream, to just bless people. There's going to be worship going on in one place and people doing the gospel That's and, awesome. in another place, but in the same little area. And it's going to be great. Well, Patterson so, has been like, and Patterson's right next to the resting place. And there have been yeah. shootings. Yeah. There have been so many 
horrible, horrible things that have been happening. So yeah. to have that outpouring to, of, of the love yeah. is going to be we, we amazing. Were, we were on the streets this Saturday. We had a great time. People were very responsive. We saw some healings. Um, you know, and, and two days ago, a girl was shot in the head, 14. Yeah, I know. I saw that. I read um, that. So, but what's what's good is that people um, are beginning to respond. Yes. And um, I, I'm excited about that, you know? Yeah. And... Um, well, there's such an anointing there. I mean, I've been to the resting, um, resting place, House of Prayer, once. The, the worship, I, I encourage you to check it out. Sure. Um, and they're actually going to be releasing a CD. Yeah, at the conference. At the conference. So if you can't get there because you're not uh, able to go to their website, order the CD. Yeah. Because the the worship is off the charts. The presence of God is so plentiful there. Yes. And, and I think that um, the the anointing on these kids is just sure. outrageous. And I, your brother is one of the yeah. Uh, my brother's worship, the electric guitar band. guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, he leads worship with us. He plays worship and does worship with them. And um, good guy. Love him. Um, but, you know, with the whole thing with the resting place, and it's just that people are hungry. Yes, I agree. When hungry people come together, good things happen. I agree. And so what's awesome about the atmosphere that's been cultivated there is that, you know, Ali has been leading this thing for almost 10 years now. Mm. So people come into this great atmosphere, but... It's ten years in the making, right? You know, you're you're, ca- yeah. you're catching the, yeah. the laborers' work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, that's faithfulness yes. that people are really partaking in. It's 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 not just this supernatural, suddenly. Right. Oh my it god! Just came. Right. It's actually a result of obedience and faithfulness, mm. which I think the young generation needs to understand. Right. And I say young because I'm like in the, I'm. Still young, I'm only 30. Mm-hmm. But Ali and I were talking the other day, and we both repeated the same story to each other that we had said to each other about a week ago. So I said, Ali, we're getting old because we're repeating ourselves. <laughs> but but you got to realize it's 10 years. Yeah. You know? Um, and that's the thing. What ne- we next year, so. next year I'll, I'll be traveling mm-hmm. 10 years international. Wow. And so we're starting to see really cool things. Yeah, but... We've been doing this almost 10, you know. Right. So it's it's just like, but it's cool because there, it's almost like God is is raising up people mm-hmm. for now who understand the times and seasons. And I think that it's amazing when we can partner with the older generation too, like my pastor, David Greco. He's an amazing teacher. He has just a father's heart he's just one of the most loving and honorable men his wife is a great woman and they 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 facilitate mm-hmm. the resting place they facilitate us taking people to the streets they you know and so it's so good to have you know some older folks who really get it because mm. it's not like this youth thing it, it's no. it's not about that it's, it's about the generations working together right and it's exciting to see it. And I think that right now we're in a unique time where we're really starting to see the fruition of prayers and prophecies that are that are quite a long time coming. Well, I 
you know, for, for me, just understanding, you know, 2009 is, is when I even knew that the Holy Spirit operated in any kind of gifts. So it's, it hasn't been that long of a time. But yet, from what I've been reading, what I've been learning, it's that even though there are younger people who are just learning, there are people my age who are just learning too. So we're actually learning together. Sure. You know, I think that if people, many people have felt, and I know I've felt this in my life, many people have felt like they've wasted a lot of time. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to speak to that for a moment because it's a, it's a very present reality, especially within church, because what happens is most people crash their life into a wall and then find Jesus. Um, there's people who find him and they're kind of normal and kind of functional, but a vast majority of people find him when, when they have a train wreck. And so that means that sin has really done its thing on them, their families, their finances, their health, you know. So we live with the reality of, okay, there's a lot more we want to do we wish we could have done, and so how do we accelerate this thing but not it's not us making it happen is there biblical principles is there truths that i can apply to my life to accelerate my growth and the answer is yes mm-hmm. um, the answer to that is that when you the more you sanctify your life the more you set your life apart the more you accelerate the pace in which you can move at hmm. it's kind of like someone who's very heavy the more weight they lose the faster they can run so the more baggage and bondage and stuff we let go, the more we cut out ungodly influences in our life, whether it's relationships or, or music or, or TV or whatever it is that is, is negatively impacting us, um, the more we set our life apart for God, the more we give God to work with and the faster he can do his work. You see what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. I think, so, and I so, think that's, so that's such a great huge. analogy. That, that's really, really a huge principle. Um, that I think, especially people struggling with, hey, I, I want to do more, I want to be more, um, I want to be more, I want to do more. And I've wasted 25 years. Well, the more you set your life apart, the more you accelerate your growth. I mean, there's there's another principle that uh, Psalm says that I've made your testimonies my meditations and I'm wiser than my teachers. What's the point? The point there is that if we meditate on the things that God has done, it accelerates our growth past the people who've taught us. Mm-hmm. It's not about being in competition with anyone. It's about accelerating your growth based on what you're choosing to focus on. Right. So there's many things, but um, I think that we're living in an amazing time to be alive. And um, I think we've got to learn to see things clearly and correctly and I think that one of the next things we've got to learn as a body is we've got to learn to see problems differently Mm -hmm. Um, because we live from heaven towards earth we don't have problems we have opportunities Mm, I like that and so we're living in very very unstable time uh, an unstable economy the geopolitical thing is, is not really good um so we can look at that in the natural and say we have problems. In in fact, in the natural, we do. Yeah. <laughs> but in the kingdom that doesn't shake, we have opportunities when things shake to bring stability. 
mm. and truth and love and, and compassion that that brings stability, that brings safety, that brings comfort, that brings uh, what people need. Mm. And, you know, like recently, um, Billy Graham's daughter, Anne, has been posting on Facebook that there was a seven-day mm-hmm. call to prayer to protect our borders, to protect our nation, because, sure. you know, she she saw something. A lot of people um, in the prophetic were agreeing with this, and a lot of people prayed. Um and what we, what I saw was it was a, a wake-up call for people to not just sit by, sure. but to become active. Whether, whether this is something that God has just called us to start to prepare us to start to pray, to be more alert, to be more on the responsive of when he beckons us to do something, or sure. if it's just to cause unity for for a time being i think that what we're starting to see because of all of these shifts is the only thing that we can do is is seek the father for direction sure you know responding to what you're saying i mean i I went to the resting place last night uh, in part because of that but it wasn't really my primary motivator either but yeah i mean perilous times we live in crazy times it's clear You you don't need um you don't even need to be a Christian to actually figure that no. out. <laughs> but what I what I believe we need as the church is I, I think that unfortunately we live in reaction to the world. Mm-hmm. Um, Bill Johnson says that we need to live in response to the Father, not in reaction to the world. Mm. And I think that that is really, really true. And I think that we've got to learn as a church to be on the offensive and often, unfortunately, we're really, really, really on the defensive. Yeah. And we don't really know it. But when, when you call a huge nationwide prayer meeting to protect the borders, that's really a defensive posture. That's not offensive. That's not yeah. offensive. That's Instead of saying. saying, let's come together and let's pray about how we can take the gospel and where we can take the gospel and how... In, in other words, like, I think that we ultimately need a shift in how we perceive reality. It's great that someone like her wants everyone to pray, and I so respect them. They're amazing people. They've taken the gospel to more people in right. a week, you know, yeah. than, uh, than I have so far in my life. So, but the, the point of what I'm saying is that they're, they're operating from a basic understanding of our borders should be kept. And I love that because yeah. some people don't even know that. They don't yeah. even believe that. Yeah. I mean, every other nation in the world enforces their borders. That's right. And when we enforce our borders, it's inhumane. Yeah. Or it's, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's so ridiculous. And, and, you know, that, that leads me to believe, make, m- makes me feel like, God, we got to, you got to help my generation. My generation of young people, man, that I don't know. No. Well, I think I that. I don't know. I think that a lot of um, younger people, and I'm not just saying your age, but I'm saying that they have this it almost like, almost like, kind of like the hippies, yeah, it's like hippies. peace, yeah. like peace, love, and granola. Like let everybody get along, and, yeah. and they're not realizing that there no. are threats that we have to become more prepared. That we and and bringing people to Christ is part of the preparation because if you are bringing more light into the world then you're shutting out darkness sure 
Yeah, ultimately, this is all. These are all gospel issues. Yes. Um, they're all gospel issues. You know, and, uh, and it's it's very interesting that you know everything that we are learning in this time frame is all based on the religiousness and less based on the relationship. And I think that's where the turn is starting to come in from some of these different churches that are really focusing much more on relationship with Jesus, a relationship with the Lord, relationship and intimacy with the Holy Spirit, and less about religious protocol. Yeah. You know, religious activity um, doesn't save anyone. Mm. doesn't heal anyone. Mm-hmm. It doesn't set anyone free. Jesus does that and so we need to know him i mean it's pretty it's pretty simple there's no point of, of trying to complicate something simple um and the reality is if we want to know him we need to spend time with him absolutely and i know that the more the more i value someone the less i look at my phone when i'm hanging out with them <laughs> um and i i got two phones in front of me right now so i i like my phone i got my <laughs> ipad right here so i'm i'm, I'm like i'm i'm all right you know but just practically speaking, let's say someone's saying like, well, how do I implement this whole intimacy with Jesus thing? All right, take your phone, put it on airplane mode, mm-hmm. put it on silent, spend 30 minutes talking to God about your feelings, about about your emotions, about what's going on in your life, and pray. Talk yeah. to him like he's real, because he is. Yeah. Um, talk to him like he's listening, because he is. And yes. believe that he can do something, because he will. Yes. And um, be, be childlike in, in that, and just reduce your distractions down also you know you expect god to speak to you you know take your phone out in airplane mode and write down what he says or get an actual pen and a piece of paper or a real journal in fact i sell journals on my website um we see jesusministries.com slash store uh you can get a journal there or you can go to barnes and nobles and if you really value what he says right write it down right um you know and and you know isolate a time every day we live in a, in a time where, where you know, someone can listen to the Bible on the way to work. Mm. They can, I mean, there's so many things that if, if we want to fill our soul and our mind and, and our life with good things, it's it's pretty easy. Yes. So I think it just comes down to being intentional, being being wise, and just taking authority over your own life. I love what Dave Ramsey said. Most people, life just happens to most people, you know, instead of most people actually living you know mm. and taking authority over their day or their life and same thing with your money you know you don't tell your money to go your money's going to tell you um where it's going to go where, where it went that's right <laughs> so that's it, it's right. just it's just really 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 being intentional mm. and um speaking of money i know that you just recently had a huge fundraiser for a really beautiful event that you're having in august in brazil yeah. So um, I just wanted you to talk a little bit about that because I think that it just really shows the heart of what your ministry is about and your heart for the broken. Sure. We've got wonderful friends, rock star, amazing, awesome, Holy Ghost people, Nick and Rachel Billman, Shores of Grace Ministries. They're in Recife, Brazil, about five, six blocks from the beach. They're rescuing children from the streets. Last August, I watched them take four kids off the streets in one night. And two of them went to a boy's home. Two of them went to a girl's home. What they're doing is unreal. Uh, they just opened their second home, which is for actually prostitutes who are grown-ups. So we have did a love banquet, and we raised um, $1,000. And we raised 60% of that money online. 
and then our pastor, uh, our church helped us with the rest. But we um, raised a thousand bucks, and we're going to extravagantly just feed these women with, with a great meal, share the love of Christ with them, share the gospel. And I'm actually doing this drive right now, um, pocketbooks for prostitutes. Oh, I love it. Yeah, yeah. We're trying to bring down like 45 or 50 nice pocketbooks, you know, just to give out to the women and just to show them that they're valuable and that they matter. And what's great is that Nick Billman has laid down his life, taking his family there. And uh, what's cool is that they're actually literally ready to like, if let's say a woman that night says, hey, I'm done. They actually have a place for her. Wow. So, I mean, these guys are making their theology biography. That's you know, amazing. The, the, he's, this guy, he's my friend. He's my, you know, but he's a hero. He's my one of my heroes. He's one of my friends, you know. That's but so he, he's cool. But he's an amazing guy, and uh, their hearts are great. My wife did two CDs with them. You should definitely check their music out at um, shoresofgrace.com. But, yeah, we just raised some money, and, and uh, you know, we're just, we're just not trying to complicate it. We're just trying to love people. Mm-hmm. We're trying to preach the gospel, um, not only with words, but, with, but de- with, with deeds and with demonstration. I love it. With the power of the Spirit, but the practical reality of people are hungry. That um, is so beautiful. In fact, I'm excited because we're, we're about to launch our largest project ever, which is about a $7,000 project to get clean water to Haiti. We're going to do clean water for about 150 homes in a place called... Canaan, Haiti, um, which is just past City of Soleil, if anyone knows where that is. So, you know, I'm excited because we, we're getting a chance to really do what we believe, and, mm-hmm. and um, we're slowly coming into the, the realm of influence where we're actually beginning to make more of an impact, mm-hmm. um, and I'm excited about that. You know, I'm really excited, and I got one last thing I just want to yes, share. Yes, absolutely. I, um, I'm coming out with a book called Justice. Okay. Hope for Everyone Everywhere. And the book is a little bit about my journey, but it's also about this whole justice. Now, Mm. my firstborn son, his name is Justice, so we're fully committed to it. Isaiah 60 says, God loves justice. Mm. And um, there's more scriptures about justice and the poor in the Bible than any other thing. In fact, there's 2,000 scriptures about that. Wow. Wow. so it must be important because mm. you find it in everywhere from Revelation to Genesis to the law to the prophets to the gospels to the epistles. Jesus had three best friends, James, John, and, and um, Peter. And when Paul the Apostle came to them, the only thing that they said to him about ministry was to remember the poor. Mm. Um, that's stunning. Mm. They didn't give him church planning tips, worship and prayer, <laughs> right, you right. know, initiative. Yeah. They said, remember the poor. That's powerful. That is. And you know what? The, the greatest thing that we can do is to help those who can't help themselves. And that really is showing the love of God. So, Adam, I just want to thank you so much. If anybody's interested in going to their website, it's wecjesusministries.com. They're going to be doing this uh, fundraiser for the prostitutes. So they're also looking for pocketbook donations. So they're looking for nice pocketbooks. Yeah. Very nice pocketbooks because we want to bless these ladies. So I'm definitely have a bunch of ladies and I'm going to be hitting up because they have pocketbooks. So I'm going to be hitting them up. We'll be bringing some pocketbooks. There is a place where you can deposit the pocketbooks. Okay. Um, August 2nd. Okay. 
the first Saturday night of August, we're going to be doing a night of worship and soaking, and I'm going to be sharing uh, from the Word a little. Um, it's going to be at 86 Lackawanna Ave, Suite 243, Woodland Park, New Jersey. It's okay. where the resting place meets. It's at Kingsgate Church. Okay. And uh, we're going to be doing um, an event there. And so it starts at 8 p.m. We'd love for you guys to come. Uh, there's more information about that at wecjesusministries.com. And uh, we would love for you to come and bring your pocketbooks and, and stuff like that that night. That would be a great uh, time to unload your pocketbooks. Awesome. So we would just like to thank you, Adam, for coming. We just bless you. We bless we see Jesus Ministries. We bless you in your endeavors going to Brazil. Protection and abundance, abundance, abundance for these women. And I would love for you to come back on cool. on another day, especially when you finish uh, as soon as your book is published. Let's cool. uh, let's talk about how God sees justice. Cool. Let's do it. You know, we'll definitely do that. So we want to thank you guys for listening to Touch by Prayer. It's been such a pleasure and such an honor. And just remember, go out and touch someone. God bless. Good night.